0: You're listening to Guitars and Granola Bars, episode 15. Thank you so much for joining me here on Guitars and Granola Bars, Music Therapist Talk Motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Rambach, and this podcast is for music therapists and anyone else balancing a passion-fueled career with being a mom. In this episode, I'm chatting with Jennifer Sokira. Jen is a board-certified music therapist who works with children who have experienced trauma. Her private practice, Connecticut Music Therapy Services, employs several music therapists and serves hundreds of people with mental health and developmental health needs throughout the state. Jennifer is passionate about quality continuing education of music therapists and has created the Music Therapy Book Club, whose standardized courses offer an in-depth learning experience based upon essential music therapy or related texts. She is also the mother of two wonderful boys, Ryan and Zachary, and she enjoys spending time with her family. Well, thank you, Jen, so much for joining me on the podcast.
1: Happy to be here. It's an honor.
0: Thank you. Well, let's start by talking a little bit about your background and your career path towards becoming a music therapist.
1: Sure. Um, I have been a music therapist for 13 years. I went to Duquesne University for my undergraduate. Um, After I did my internship, I started a full-time job in Connecticut at a school for kids with neurological differences as well as um, you know, behavioral differences as well. Um, I was there for close to four years and then I began a private practice at the same time as I was in grad school at Temple University for my master's in music therapy. And, um, it's kind of been private practice since then. So 2006, I finished grad school and then 2008, we had Ryan.
0: Okay. So you were starting your private practice while you were in grad school. How did that work?
1: That was um, – it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't really think – I was already, like, in my full-time job, I was already seeing some private clients kind of on the side after school hours. I was just getting some contacts actually through the AMTA website. Uh, people had gotten my name through their referral um and, and so I started seeing a couple of people you know in the after school hours just to help pay for grad school actually um and i was I was liking that and noticing that that was a nice advocacy opportunity as well as a okay income opportunity for me. And, um, you know, I think I was one year into grad school and doing some part-time kind of private practice self-employment. And I said, you know, I'm going to give this a go full time. I think, I think I would really enjoy it. I like to build new things. So it seemed like, seemed like a good fit. And I would really honestly say that the first beginning of doing being in private practice it was more like just being self employed. I wasn't really having a business mind about mm-hmm. it so yeah. much as just being a clinician that it was working for herself instead of working for another agency. Yeah,
0: and it seems like that's sort of how a lot of people that are in private practice begin. Mm-hmm. I know I was the same way where you don't really develop that business mind until you've been at it for a little bit and then you realize, ooh, if I want to make a full-time go of this, I kind of have to think this way.
1: Exactly. Well, for sure. And yeah. I think at the time too, that was 2000, 2005 was when I officially like quit my full-time job and went into full-time private practice. Um, and prior to that, there, there wasn't a ton out there in terms of private practice information. Like, you're a music therapist, you're going to be in private practice. I know there's some really great internships and we definitely have some great music therapist role models who've been in private practice for a long time, but I hadn't had a ton of exposure to many of them at that point. So, you know, you kind of learn and then you start to network with other people who are in your same boat and it gets a lot easier once, once you're kind of hooked in with others. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So you mentioned that you had your son, your Ryan, your Ryan a couple years after you started your practice?
1: Yeah, so it was it was 2008 when we had Rye, um, which means I was – so actually, it's his, it's his seventh birthday today.
0: Oh, my <laughs> so, goodness. Happy birthday, yeah, Ryan.
1: For sure. Um, I kind of think of um, it with my business, too, is like my business became a business when he was born because I didn't I, – I knew I wanted to not let – Go the clients I had, and I didn't really feel a three-month hiatus or whatever I was thinking at the time was going to necessarily be clinically appropriate or made any sense from a business perspective. Um, So that was when I had decided to um, hire my first employee. So you know I had started working on that in November, around the time of national conference, and I think in March is when I hired Emily and and. With the intention that she would come on full time, cover my caseload, and then we would build up a full time caseload for her when I came back to work.
0: Okay, so this was while you were still pregnant.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Yes. And did you did you continue seeing all of your clients and working as much as you had before you got pregnant during your pregnancy?
1: Yeah, until like eight hours before Ryan came. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he was two. So he was due April 22nd, 2008. Um, He was two weeks early. Oh and I, I didn't, I was, you know, I'm like, okay. So two weeks ahead of time, that last, that the week when I ended up having him was actually also Emily's first week. And she was shadowing and like, you know, observing me working with some of the clients so they could have a smooth transition. Yeah. So the intention was to work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, make all the transitions. We had already started to make a few. Um, and then the following Monday, she was gonna be on her own. Um, but like, of course, best laid plans. Mm-hmm. I that Monday, we did that transition and I, I didn't know what was happening. I should have known some of the signs, but like came home from work, sat down. My husband's like, you know, we really should narrow down our list of names because we had seven names that neither of us agreed on. So we narrowed it down to like three. I'm like, you know, I really need to go downstairs. There's a pile of bills. I need to just take care of them. And so I was taking care of that. And then I took care of like 70 emails I needed to take care of. And I'm sitting down in my office. And my dog is sitting next to me, and she's crying and whining, and I was so annoyed by that. Why are are you – So your dog knew what was up, and you didn't. My dog totally knew what was up. I was totally, like, finally having, like, some kind of semblance of nesting. Yeah. I went to bed, and my water broke in the middle of the night. So – I didn't go right to the hospital. I went back to my computer and I sent emails to all of my clients and CC'd Emily saying I was on my way to the hospital. (laughs)
0: A true private practice owner right there.
1: Seriously, like I should have known that that was a sign of things to come. Like literally in the car on the way to the hospital, I was still on my cell phone talking to people, like letting them know. And, you know, it was great. Some of them were like, good luck. (laughs) Just it was just it was one of those one of those things, and I guess um it helped me be more prepared the second time around with Zachary yeah. in terms of knowing that what I'm, what, you know, how to plan a little bit better. I mean, I didn't even have a bag packed, Rachel.
0: Oh my goodness! <laughs> it's
1: Very not like me to not be so prepared no, or to be. I was so going to un-
0: say that surprises me about you because <laughs> you're so organized and and well prepared. Yeah,
1: yeah. I really, I really should have known. I should have. So- known-
0: how did Emily take it? You know, kind of having to just jump right in without having completed that transition phase.
1: She did. She did great, and it was one of those things. I'm like, she's either going to sink or swim, yeah. and I just hope she's going to swim because I'm going to be, you know, up a creek if if she doesn't. <laughs> of course, she did. She's she's fantastic, and obviously, um, that was the start of our whole relationship together as business partners too. Um, mm-hmm. She was an employee for two more years. And then in 2010, Emily became my, my business partner. We, we merged a small private practice that she had in a non-competing area of the state into my practice. And, you know, now we, we kind of,
0: we do our thing. Right. Right. And I'll definitely want to get more into that sure. in a little bit. Um but let's talk about what your maternity leave was like. And we were chatting a little before <laughs> we started recording that neither of us are good at just kind of relaxing and mm-hmm. and letting go of the the work side of our brains. So were you able to really just stay home and concentrate on your son? Or was there some work still going on at the same time?
1: Uh, well, with with Ryan, there were definitely some things that were going on at the same time. I think my first outing... After like my first time away from the baby for any amount of time, I think it was about forty five minutes. I drove down the street to the AT and store to get my first smartphone with Ryan home. Like he was maybe two weeks old because oh, wow. I felt like I needed to have it was a Blackberry. So yeah, I felt I needed to have a Blackberry or something so I could check my email without. Needing to go, you know, sit in front of my computer. Yes,
0: that's crucial. Or so I could nurse and. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and nurse and oh my God. What did people do before smartphones with nursing?
1: I have no idea, but yeah. I feel bad for them. Me too. Anyway, it, yeah, no, so. Uh, it wasn't. I don't want to say it wasn't much of a maternity leave. I definitely didn't work with clients for mm-hmm. maybe like two months. I think it was about two months. It's been a little while now since then. Uh, the other challenge that sort of took place was that Ryan was born right at the time that that housing bubble burst mm-hmm. in 2008. Yeah. Um, and in at the time anyway, a lot of my practice. Was in an area that was particularly impacted by the recession and well, that bubble bursting, and then the recession because we're so close to New York City, and a lot of people work in the financial industry here. So there was a lot of changes in terms of work that we were anticipating coming in that just didn't because a lot of people's extra money that they would have had to pay for music therapy just went away or their jobs went away um so a lot of things besides just music therapy went away so that ended up being a challenge initially like that first year of of actually having like kind of more of a business and also at the same time being a mom right. um, and adjusting to that. So it felt a little – it was a little rough for a while just emotionally not knowing yeah. what you're doing anyway way in any aspect of your life.
0: And were most of your clients private pay at this point?
1: Yeah. I mean most of our clients still are private pay. Okay. Um, insurance reimbursement in Connecticut, we're working on it. Um, but a lot, they hold up a license through the state as a reason that they can't reimburse us sometimes, Mm -hmm. at least with the, with the population that we work with. So, you know, we, we work with different agencies and school districts and kind of like stuff like that. Um, but that was definitely that first year was a lesson in how important it is to have kind of a, a diverse, um, revenue stream in terms of who's paying you. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's, is challenging. I think for me too, that, that first, like, especially the first six months, Ryan had torticollis, Mm -hmm. um, which if people don't know about that, I think it's important to know. So, you know, what to look for, um, it's a, it's a kind of a tightening of the muscles on one side of the baby's neck. So they have an easier time looking in one direction and not, and they can't look as easily in the other direction. It affects their ability to rotate their head. Um, and it also means that they'll sometimes lay, they'll have like some motor delays. So Ryan rolled a little later, etc. cetera. Um, and if, if you don't kind of catch it early enough, like their one side of their head can become flatter because they're always laying on the one side. So it's important to kind of be looking for that and doing the tummy time. Kids with torticollis struggle with the tummy time a lot more as well so we caught on to it pretty early with Ryan because I had had a uh, my godson actually had it so I kind of knew to look for it. Um, but even just the addition of so for for Torticollis, they do um, physical therapy so taking him to the physical therapy appointments and doing the exercises that you do at home and you know wanting your child to be comfortable and, and all of that is is really important and that kind of added to the stress of those first few months. Oh, I'm
0: sure. Yeah. My I'm nephew, you. <laughs> I, I can imagine. Um, yeah. I was just going to say my nephew, he just turned one this past weekend, but he had torticollis as well. And um, I know that was kind of a, a stressor for my sister having to do all of those extra things that come along with it, but he's completely fine now and you would have never known that he had it.
1: Yeah, we had really great um, physical therapists. Um, and we also were able to access craniosacral therapy, which which really helped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really helped. So that was, that was Ryan's <laughs> maternity leave.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and what did it look like for you coming back to work and actually seeing clients after that maternity leave with Ryan?
1: Um, it was pretty seamless. I think I kind of eased into you know, started with a few and then, and then added more. I think I was probably for the first, at least for the first six months, I was maybe even more seeing clients maybe three days a week. And then we had um, my mother-in-law helped with um, watching him and we also had a babysitter. And so I was nursing as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes I'd be able to work in stopping at home to nurse Oh, that's so. You know, nice. the day. Yeah. You know, depending on which way I was, which way I, w- I was going. So I kept, I kept seeing some of my clients, and others of them stayed with Emily, and and we worked out, we worked out the schedule for childcare. It was a little different and kind of constantly changing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That first year.
0: And at this point, did, were you going to your clients, or did you have a? facility space we
1: were going to our clients yeah we only got a facility in um december
0: 2012 oh okay so more recently
1: yeah much more okay gotcha gotcha
0: and what other kind of changes did you need to make in order to fit in the new role of being a mom
1: um i think it was uh, for me that that first piece it, it a lot of it was really just changes in myself to you know manage all of my roles a little bit better so knowing you know timing and and being able to let go of certain things um I'm not awesome at saying okay well we're not gonna clean the house today or we're not gonna get this project done yeah Yeah. so I I think I learned how to be a lot more realistic with my time Mm -hmm. and what I what I can accomplish um because I was starting to get a little overly stressed and you know just kind of doing the the most important things first as best as I could and was Emily still your only employee? She was yeah, for the first two years we hired somewhere in the beginning of 2010 was when we merged and what we we merged like January 1st, 2010 was like the legal date mm-hmm. um, and then we started hiring after that. So yeah, she was my only employee for that those first that first period of time.
0: Okay. So at what point or how how far after? ryan was born did you decide that you wanted to expand your family even more
1: um so ryan and zachary are four years apart oh okay um we i think originally planned to maybe be a little closer together with them um but in the meantime so 2010 also we my husband had a change in his job and we had a couple other just getting getting ready for having another baby so we wanted to make sure everything was kind of settled with his new position before we before we made that change um you know kind of going through going through all of that created more stress than we were we were anticipating so um I think once once we knew everything was settled with it we we then said let's do that and let's have another child and they actually ended up Zachary was due Also on April 22nd. No kidding. Yeah, April 22nd, 2012. So he'll be three next week. Okay. Um, And uh, he was born one week early. So Ryan was two weeks early. Zach was one week early. So I I was glad that they didn't have the same birthday. I kind of was hoping not to to have them right at the same time. But it's a great time of year to have a baby. Yeah, it is beautiful like the spring
0: everything's kind of coming to life and and then you don't have to go through summer being hugely pregnant correct <laughs> was- I'm I know I'm very grateful that I'm due at the end of May so I don't have to worry about that either
1: yeah that was that was ideal for for uh for Ryan my feet were humongous right before, <laughs> oh. right before I had him I was actually um pretty involved with our New England region and, um, at the time I was running registration for our regional conference. So this was the 2008 conference mm-hmm. and it was up in Massachusetts and we were getting close to my due date. So Mike came with me to the conference, which was great to have him kind of experience <laughs> <laughs> what music therapists are like in mass. Uh huh. That was pretty great. Um, but I was, I was running registration and I was on my feet way more than I should have been. And I remember at one point, like looking down and being like, Ooh. I'm not going to get my feet back into my shoes, and um, a couple of my a couple of my colleagues, Dory and Eve, who were also part of kind of making the conference run that year, just saying you need to sit down, you need to put your feet up. <laughs> we don't want to have a baby at conference. No, all, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. So when Zachary was on his way, and we knew the timing was also. Um, right around conference, I said I'm not going to conference.
0: Good it was, for you. Like, that was a good call.
1: That it was it was a good call, um, and also like very very difficult for me because my region is really important to me. So um, that was really hard. And but the conference was like I think it was four hours away. So the likelihood I already knew that I had a higher chance of my water breaking, um, and they usually say your second. Um, Your second child comes a little faster than your first one does. So Mm -hmm. with Ryan, we didn't know what to expect, but we figured we could make the hour drive home because the conference was only about an hour, maybe an hour and a half away. The one right before Zachary was about three hours away. It was up in Vermont. So that was a little that was part of the decision too. just not not being sure if, you know, we just didn't want to have a baby out of state if we could
0: help it. Yeah, I don't blame you.
1: So that was that was all right. And um he ended up not coming as early as Ryan. So I ended up having much more time. But you better believe I had my bag packed. I had everything. Yeah, I
0: bet you did. <laughs>
1: I was I was very well prepared. I even had my playlist. Nice. Uh, which I was not able to obviously organize ahead of having Ryan. So that and that was helpful. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah.
0: So what was it like being pregnant with Zachary and working? Were you still continuing to see all of your clients at that point?
1: I was not. Um, I saw some clients, um, but I stopped a bunch earlier. I think – let's see. He was doing April, and I started phasing out in February mm-hmm. with my clients, and I was already not seeing, like, everyday client clients every day. I was seeing them maybe two or three days a week. I'm sorry I don't totally remember. Gosh, I think it was about three days a week and then about a month before I kind of phased the rest of them out and I was dealing with mostly administrative things, which really in and of itself was its own full time job. Because at that point, Emily and I had merged practices and I, I think we had three full time people at the time. Oh, wow. Okay. Maybe a couple part timers in there too. Yeah. So it was just a lot to, to manage. And at that time, I was still running payroll by myself and oh. doing a lot of the things that now we either have other people do administratively or we kind of have outsourced like to a payroll company, for example. Yeah. So I just was – Just out of yeah.
0: curiosity, when you were doing your own payroll – what were you using? Were you just using like QuickBooks or
1: I was using um a piece of paper. Oh, oh. <laughs> like a ledger. Okay. And I had it backed up on an Excel sheet. Oh wow. I was using a calculator and I was doing all the all the calculations and all that. And then, and then I was handwriting out the checks. Oh my so goodness. Let <laughs> me tell you the party I had for myself when <laughs> 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 when we brought on a payroll company it was incredible. I was like, oh, that's all I have to do now. So yeah, it's gotten a lot easier. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It makes a big difference. I'm sure. Well, we're just we're hiring employees for the first time this summer. So we're looking into exactly how we're going to do all of those administrative things. So I'm always curious as to what other business owners are doing.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's one of those bootstrapping things. Yeah, too. totally. At the time we didn't really have the money for it. Sure. Yeah. To- to hire a payroll company. It's not, it's not the cheapest thing. Right. But um, at a certain point in time, your time becomes more worth the money that you would be spending. Exactly. So, you know, I don't really regret it because I learned a lot. I, I learned kind of more of the HR background by doing that. Like I feel a little more solid in, in what we do and when I'm making decisions now from that perspective. So it helped, I guess. I'm glad I don't do it anymore now. Though. Yeah.
0: That's, that, that's, I found that for so many experiences that I've had, it's like, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I had the learning experience, but thank goodness I'm not doing that anymore.
1: Yes, me too. I, I feel that.
0: Yeah. So how do you feel like you've changed or evolved as a music therapist since you've had your two sons?
1: Um, definitely, I, I think I have a lot more compassion than I did before about, you know what it's like to balance parenthood and that kind of thing. Zachary ended up having torticollis too. Oh,
0: did he? Um, is it is it like a genetic thing or is it just kind of luck of genetic, the draw?
1: Um, you know, they they can't really tell. They told me that it could that obviously they probably both developed it in utero. So I'm I'm gonna guess it was probably if it's not genetic, maybe it was um, at least congenital. So they they maybe it's a a real estate issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe I don't have enough torso for little boys. Yeah. <laughs> We're growing. <laughs> but um yeah, so I, I don't really know. I just, I, I don't know if it, it just had a feeling that was going to happen with Zach or what, but right away we saw it and he was a lot, a lot tighter than Ryan was. Um, and he ended up getting really flat. So he had his little um torticollis helmet too, to mm-hmm. help his, um, what's it called? Plagiocephaly is when one side of, um, baby's heads get more flat than the other side because they're laying on it. Um, and then once it gets flat, it's harder for them to not lay on it, kind of like a little flat tire. So he, um, we, in addition to the PT appointments and the craniosacral appointments, we also had appointments for his helmet, which is actually an orthotic, um, you know, so to get that adjusted, so it, it doesn't really like mold the head, but it directs the growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's, he's beautifully round now and that helps, but I think having all of the appointments, um, definitely gave me a lot of, you know, it made me think about how difficult some, in, in some cases it really is for so many of the parents we work with of kids with special needs, cause they have a lot of appointments, yeah. they have a lot to do and, and you know, parents make the best decisions they can and do the best they can. But it's really, I mean, it's quite stressful. So that was, that was, I guess, one way that maybe I changed a bit. Um, yeah, and I didn't with Zachary, I didn't go back to seeing clients. So I had him in April, I didn't go back to seeing clients full time, or not part time until September, which was a big change. And then, you know, it's nice to be a business owner, because then at least you're able to sort of plan your work around other responsibilities that you have.
0: And was that decision just based on the fact that you had so much admin work that you were doing, or was that?
1: It was partially, partially with Zachary. I mean, Zach did, Zach went to daycare um, that September as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ryan, I, I think when Ryan was about 18 months he had started daycare as well. So that was part of our kind of part of the plan for Zachary more. Um, and and we did decide to go full time with it. That's really hard. Actually, we didn't do full time. We do four days a week for both of them. Okay. Um number one, daycare is really expensive. And when you have two kids in daycare, it's even more expensive. Uh, I I know. We're
0: we're looking into all of that right now, and it's like, oh, There's a big change from having one child to having two children.
1: Like one plus one does not equal two. No. I don't think. Um, So, yeah, we worked that out. I figured now at least like I'll have a sense of what it's going to feel like when they go to college perhaps. Um, see how that all goes. Right. Um, but so Zach was already in daycare and we were, there were his extra appointments I needed to make sure I was thinking of. And at that point too, I did spend more time administratively because we were growing the business and, you know, there were just, there was so much more to attend to having employees and, um, you know, bringing in new work and and all of that. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. That was that was Zach. So it was not so much maternity leave, um, but that's okay. You know, we I kind of didn't expect. <laughs> expected yeah, and I'm
0: sh- I'm sure that with the second, it's even though you did have the extra things with the torticollis, mm-hmm. that it's a little different because you're not also adjusting to being a mom, which you've already Perfect. sort of been through that. And oh yeah, I'm kind of hoping for myself that it's a little less stressful and overwhelming just because I've been through that change for myself and yeah um, so I can imagine that takes away a little bit of the just oh my gosh sheer overwhelmingness of it all.
1: Absolutely does. i I also felt like um like the for me you know I nurse both kids and knowing how to nurse was, yes I felt like 80% of the battle. Sure. (laughs) It was such a challenge at the beginning with Ryan to, and it was probably related to the torticollis that he was having so much trouble on one side. Right. But the whole supply and demand issue was definitely very present, and we need actually that was more appointments that we needed for for Ryan. We had um, we had the all the lactation consultant appointments as well. Mm -hmm. So just knowing how to how to do it with Zachary was so so helpful, and feeling a lot more comfortable about.
0: Yeah. And and kind of knowing how to troubleshoot some of those things. I know for me, that was one of the biggest stressful things of just not expecting those things to happen and not really knowing and having to work my way through. And so this time around, like having my arsenal of knowledge and tools and knowing, you know, that those things are normal and they're going to come up and you deal with them. So, yep, Yeah. So what are what have been some of the biggest challenges for you with balancing your business as it has grown and grown and then also raising your two boys? Um
1: yeah, you know, I think it's a day-to-day thing. Like I don't I don't necessarily look back at it and and think or so far anyway and think, "Oh wow, that one thing was really challenging." I think a lot of it is scheduling um and timing and being intentional about things. So I, tr- I do my best to make sure that the time we're spending together is quality time. So I do everything I can to um, leave work at work as much as I can. Um, my I mean, after Zachary was born, too, my job really changed. Um, so I was administrative, you know, for a while. But we also, in my area, had a really... Um, Awful, awful tragedy happened. I live just a little while away from Sandy Hook, so in terms of clinically, what I'm doing as work now, um, doing a lot more trauma work. So for me, I think a big challenge is being able to take care of myself so I can be a really good mom when I come home, and I'm not really bringing bringing work home as much as I can.
0: Yeah, and that has to be just so difficult and. Even just in general, being a mom and doing that kind of work, I can't imagine.
1: Yeah. Some days are easier than others. But you know what? At the same time, it's, you know, it's our community. So we want to make sure or I want to make sure I'm doing or giving as much as I can to be able to make things as, as doable and help people get through as best as I can.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the best outlook to have is that you have so much to give and you're able to do that kind of work.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of other challenges, I mean, like I find extracurricular, so Ryan's now in first grade, extracurricular scheduling is ridiculous. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There's so many like things that happen. Um, And sort of as a family deciding, you know, what we're going to do and what we might, let let go of. So some of the sports, I don't know, around here, soccer is a really big deal. And if Mm. you don't, when you're like a year and a half old, you might really be behind the eight ball. So for us, like trying to decide what are the things that bring our children the most joy Mm -hmm. and what are the things that we're able to help them participate in without it totally throwing the family into a stress cycle is really important.
0: And, and he's I, only seven, so that's a little yes, scary seven. to think <laughs> down the road how that will be.
1: I know, I know. It's it. It really, it really is. Oh my gosh. Really so, yeah, just trying to keep things keep things calm and enjoy the simple stuff at home, like yeah. joy when we get a Saturday morning where we can sit for an hour and color at the kitchen table after breakfast, or you know, just paying attention and and really valuing those moments when when they come up. Yeah. What about some
0: of the fulfilling aspects of being a working mom?
1: Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm really proud of my career as a music therapist. And uh, when Ryan started saying that he wanted to be a music therapist when he grew oh, up. That's, that's precious. So great. Um. So, I mean, that's definitely very fulfilling. I, I just, I love seeing them. I love, I love watching them grow and I love watching, like, Zachary coming home singing new songs from school um, or looking really surprised if I start singing a song to him that he didn't know I knew and <laughs> he learned at school. Yes. He still learns most of his songs for me and my husband, but um, sometimes that happens. So just seeing them, you know, becoming their own little people with their own... Opinion, seeing how different two kids in the same family really can be from each other for me is awesome. Um, Ryan's really um, quite artistic and creative, and he loves to write. He's a pretty musical kid. Um, Zachary's really um, – he seems very coordinated. He definitely doesn't get that part from me. He's mm-hmm. very – I feel like he might be a little more athletic. Um, he's funny. Just great sense of humor. Just Really, really beyond his years. It's hilarious. hilarious. And he's more of a, you know, he loves cars and he loves to make car noises. And he'll turn anything and, like, he'll turn Q-tips into magic wands and use those to make sure that the tigers aren't coming. Um, So just, yeah, it's, it's I love watching them grow. And I love watching their creativity really come out and their little personalities just start shining through. It's just absolutely wonderful.
0: Yeah. That's so neat. And I always wonder, you know, what will my daughter be like compared to my son? And will yeah. they have these certain similarities and differences? So, yeah, that's something that I'm looking forward to. And also just seeing them interact with each other has to be so I much fun.
1: I was just thinking that, like, the other, the other morning, um, Zachary, my younger son – he looked at me, I was changing him and getting him ready. And he he goes, mommy, where's my Ryan? (laughs) And and, like, just to see them together, like from day one, Ryan's been like a great big brother. He's been so supportive to Zachary and just wants to help him. and, and, now that they're, you know, Zachary's in a big boy bed, they'll get up a couple minutes early in the morning and play with each other and, or play, you know, on the train table or build a fort or you never know what you're going to find Yeah. Oh, that's so fun. in the mornings with them. Um, but just to see them kind of developing such a good relationship is a really, it is really rewarding.
0: Yeah. And do you feel like that four-year difference has worked out well? Them with yeah. with Ryan being the the big brother,
1: yeah, and he's he's much. I mean, to me, four years is a big difference because my my sister's three years younger. I have i I'm the oldest of three, and then my brother's another three years younger than that um so yeah like I wasn't really sure what what that would look like but it was it worked out really well because I mean Ryan was four so you really could talk to him at that point right (laughs) when you had the baby which I think took some of the stress like he definitely not that he was independent in any way but you know there's no more diapers for Ryan by the time Zachary came so I had to help you're so looking forward to no diapers in this
0: house. Oh, yeah. I've got many years of diapers ahead.
1: <laughs> yes, you do. But it'll be great one day when you don't. Yes, it will. Yeah, just imagine. I
0: know. Just imagine. I can't. I really can't. <laughs> I, I think diapers, diapers, diapers for a long time. <laughs> yeah. But that's okay. That's That's part of the that's season part. that I'm in. And, you know, one day I'll look back and miss the diaper days.
1: Yes, probably. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So, we always talk as music therapists, and you touched on this just a little bit about how important self care is. So, what are some of the ways that you take care of yourself?
1: Um, well, it's gotten a lot more important, especially since um, the Newtown work has started. Right. Um, like, I never really, I don't want to say I didn't take it that seriously, but I probably prior to that didn't take self care as seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, I should have. I really should have her. I wish I had. Um, So prior to all that, I would say just getting a little time out of the house once in a while was probably what I was doing. At this point, self-care looks like um, I go to Bikram yoga a few times a week, um, which is really, really quite nice. I can go in the evenings after the kids go to bed. And um, I'm also running, which is wonderful. Um, I try to make a little music once in a while for myself. It doesn't happen nearly as often as I want to. Um, and I, I try to be a little more, um, purposeful in my scheduling. I try to make sure I'm scheduling self-care in onto my weekly schedule. When I sit down, I try to sit down for half an hour every week and, and plan it out, plan out what, what all has to happen for all of the different roles and jobs that I have. And, um, that, that, that's, one of the things that goes on there. So I make sure like if, you know, date night goes on there with Mike, um different appointments for the kids or just quality time with the kids, I try to I try to put it on the schedule. It all schedules never work out as well as you can plan them. But I think for me a big piece of the self-care is just being really intentional with my time.
0: Yeah, and I think really for busy moms, that's really the only way to make sure that something's going to happen because if you say, oh, you know, we'll do date night once a month or we'll do – I'll go to the gym three times a week. Unless it's on the calendar, it's probably not going to happen. At least I know that for me that's the case.
1: That's that's the case for me too. I think my personality is such that I have a hard time letting go of stuff I don't do. So if I feel like I don't – I haven't captured all of those things I want to try to accomplish, I get a lot more stressed out. So yeah, I, I think I, I really – in some ways envy the people who can kind of let things go easier <laughs> when, when they don't happen. I mean, I think that's an essential skill when you're, especially when you're a new mom, yes. um, just like you're not going to accomplish that much in any given day. So just like letting it, letting it go and being okay, that that's just not going to happen. Um, I, I'm I kind of am envious of people who can do that more easily. It's a harder work for me to be able to do it.
0: Yeah, that's a struggle for me too. And and that's really good advice for for new moms. And that leads me into yeah. what I was gonna ask you next, which is what what kind of advice do you have for fellow music therapists who are new moms or who are thinking about starting a family and especially those that are in private practice?
1: For sure. I mean, I think having as much help as you can have is really important. I was really lucky, um, especially second time around. Like I had a business partner. Um, you know, we, we really had a much bigger administrative team at that point. So I, I, I really letting go of any tasks that you can let go of. And allow somebody else who probably will do a better job with them anyway um, is, is really important. So, like, we had a billing person at that point when Zachary came along. And that was an amazing weight off of my shoulders. Hiring the payroll company was great. Um, so, yeah, thinking, really thinking about, like, do I really have to do this? Yeah. And if I really don't, who could? Or how could that work out? Um, you know, being intentional with your schedule and I think also just being mindful about the experience and your feelings about it um, so you can ask for the support, you know, paying attention to your feelings and paying attention to what's truly bringing you bringing you joy and what's necessary and what might not be.
0: Yeah, I think that is perfect advice and I just have to share with the listeners that Jen really inspired me Um About a year ago, well, a little over a year ago now, I started thinking about um, merging my private practice with my now partner at the time she was doing contract work for me. And I called up Jen and I said, hey, tell me a little bit about your experience (laughs) with with taking on a partner and and how that all worked. And she kind of talked me through it. And it was honestly the best move that I ever made because yeah. now I have somebody that I can completely trust and, you know, we, we share the workload and not everything is always on my shoulders, which was, that was really stressful for that first year of new motherhood and having to run a business. That's and right. I knew that I wanted to grow, but I knew that I couldn't sustain everything that I was doing at that time yeah. without having to expand like that.
1: I think too, like the same. The same goes with kids. The one plus one doesn't equal two. I or in music therapy, I think it's the same thing. Like two people can do like way more than one person could times two. Oh, it's
0: so true. It's amazing. I mean, I look back at this past year since we started our partnership, which wasn't officially until August. So it hasn't even been a year yet, and we've already, you know, done all these things and really just grown. And I think it's given me courage to do things that. I otherwise wouldn't have done on my own.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it's amazing to have someone to talk to that is totally immersed and totally invested, you know, in the company, you know, Yeah. makes a, a big difference. But it's also really important that, <laughs> that you don't go into that. I think we talked about this when we talked about this last year, like you just don't go into that relationship very blindly. No. Like, <laughs>
0: So, exactly. Yes. You want to you want to know the person backwards and forwards inside <laughs> and out before you <laughs> take life. that plunge. Yeah, because yeah, it's almost like a marriage. You really yeah. are. I mean, you see this person every day. At least Katie and I do, and we work very very closely. We're texting each other at all hours and emailing each other yeah. two in the morning. So
1: you better like them. Yes. And really, really trust them. Exactly. Um, we, I was actually talking with Emily yesterday because you know with Brian's birthday today we kind of think about that as our own anniversary of when we started working together. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's Um, true. You know, it's just, it's just amazing. You know, time really, time really goes, but if it works, it works. And that's, that's important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jen, I know you've got a lot of different (laughs) projects and things that you're doing in addition to your private practice. So any music therapy related projects or news that
1: you'd like to share with the listeners? Um, probably music therapy book club, which was born somewhere. And maybe I had the idea before Zachary and it was maybe born after Zachary, I think around 2012. So it was probably a couple months. The website went up originally. <laughs> um, it's a continuing edge education option that you can find at musictherapybookclub.com, Um, and it involves like, kind of like, listening to a book club. Um, it's the author of the, a music therapy book discussing with a group of music therapists about their book. Um, there's some question and answer. And then the I kind of thought about what kind of continuing ed online would work for me. At the time, and I'm like, I like to you know, read something and write a little paper on it or answer a couple questions. Um, so that's how we set it up. So you finish some assignments and then mail them in or email them in, and then we send you your certificate.
0: I think that is so neat, and it's Thanks. so different from everything else that's out there. I love the variety of continuing ed that's available now, especially online, because it makes it so much more doable than going to a, a live event.
1: Thank you. Yes, I agree. Um, I agree. And I love books and I love reading and I will try to have any excuse to have to read something, but I always have like a pile of five or six books that I want to be reading that I, it's hard when you're a mom and working full time. (laughs) So um, yeah, I I feel like that is a way to honor, honor that piece of.
0: It is. And it's motivating because yeah, I know I have a list of all of these (laughs) music therapy books that, you know, have been on my list forever and I just haven't had a chance to read them. So, you know, if you know that you're getting credit, that's- Yeah, everybody needs credit. Exactly. (laughs) Nice. Well, we'll definitely put a link to the book club on the show notes and um, yeah, absolutely. And while we're talking about cool products and resources and books, are there any that have been- indispensable to you related to either music therapy or motherhood?
1: Um, Sure. I mean, not so much a, well, a product. It's not a motherhood direct product, but audible.com is oh, yes. amazing. Love it. Uh, I am constantly listening to an audiobook and sometimes they're, you know, very Helpful and academic, like audiobooks, but most of the time they're more like fiction of some sort. Um, uh-huh. And it's really like, I guess that would fall into self care. Um, self-care strategies. Um, I have a lot of favorite books. I could give you a whole list if (laughs) you would. I would say it would be good for people to take a look at, um, especially people who work with young children or in early childhood, to take a look at um, and do a little Google search on torticollis and plagiocephaly.
0: Yeah, Uh, and and I found that that those terms and those conditions are something that people aren't very familiar with.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I, that you
0: have, have come across many of those people. Yeah, like, yeah.
1: I, I definitely have. But it's so funny. It's kind of like when you get a certain model of car and then you start seeing it everywhere. Mm, yeah. With with Zachary, for sure, because he had the helmet. Like with Ryan, no one knew he had torticollis. We just right. had to communicate. Um, with Zach, everybody knew something was going on because he had this little helmet and we decorated it. Mm-hmm. We had stickers on it. Um, actually, brought him to conference the one year, and I put a little future MTBC. Yes, I remember song. that. <laughs> it's adorable. Um, but like you know, so then people say, oh, you know, so and so cousin's friends baby had that helmet. Mm-hmm. Is that what that's for? So you get you you people find out about it a little bit that way. But if they haven't had the exposure to it, they wouldn't know, and I wouldn't have known with Ryan had my um my godson not had it. So it's, it's, I think it's important. So check it out. Um, so do a, do a Google search on torticollis and plagiocephaly, a little web, you know, WebMD or, or check it out at your library. Um, especially if you work with, with babies or young children, it's not, you know, it, it can be serious if it's not treated, but right. um, it slows down their motor development if you don't catch it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. Problem. Yeah.
1: Anything else? Oh gosh, there's always something, right? Um No, I mean, I guess I hope, I know, I'll do one other like maybe Shameless plug. When Zachary was um just out of um out of the womb, I was able to write two book chapters. <laughs> Oh, in it was
0: all a, your spare time, right?
1: In my spare time. It was hilarious. I pretty much wrote those with him, um, Moby-wrapped to my chest. Nice. <laughs> one was um, – it's, it's for Barcelona publishers. One was for – on Rett Syndrome. And one is in um, – uh, for children with physical disabilities in school settings. Very so cool. those are both – they're both available as e-chapters. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah that nice. was – I. Bit off a lot. (laughs) Uh,
0: Did you agree to that before you were um, pregnant, or?
1: I think I had a draft of the ret chapter done before I had Zach. I was pregnant. I I actually was at my first ultrasound for Zach when I when I was yeah when that all started. But um, it got done. You you know, long time ago get done.
0: Well, and that's one of those things. It's like a bucket list thing, I feel like yeah. writing a book chapter, that's a big deal. Yeah. So
1: I'm not gonna say no to that. Can't
0: turn that one down. No. No. Yeah,
1: it was it was a great opportunity. I learned a lot doing it. Um but it was definitely a good, you know, a good thing. Helped me clarify kind of my long term career goals and that kind of thing too. So that was that was pretty great. Yeah, very cool. And any other resources that you want to mention? Um uh, just one more. Sorry I have a lot of resources no, today. No that's great. The more the better. Uh, I, mental health first aid is something I've become involved with in the last year. It's kind of like CPR or first aid, regular medical first aid training, except for it teaches um, like the layperson how to see the signs of a psychological um, mental health potential crisis. So it can help de-escalate, for example, threat of suicide um, or um, drug use or different, different issues that come up with, with youth. So, um, I'll give you the the link for that in, in the show notes. It's a great, it's a great refresher for therapists who don't necessarily work in mental health. Um, but it's also, um, a great opportunity for people who are not, so family members, um, to help them learn more about what mental health crises look like and how those might look a little different than just typical youth behavior. Um, so that's been, that's been something that's been really important in our community and is is starting to, um, starting to become something that more, more and more people are, are taking. So it, it's a, it's important for a music therapist to know about it.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like that it makes that information really accessible to somebody who's not necessarily trained in that area so yeah great. it
1: makes it accessible and totally destigmatizes um, mental health disorders which is really
0: important too yeah yeah thank you for mentioning that
1: you're welcome well Jen thank
0: you so much for being on the show this was so much fun
1: thank you Rachel it was my pleasure
0: thank you so much for listening if you'd like to send Jen a message you can contact her via email jen at ctmusictherapy.com. Would you like to be a guest on the show? Let me know. Get in touch and find the show notes for this episode at guitarsandgranolabars.com. And if you feel so inclined, please leave a review on iTunes. I'll talk to you again next week.